Hey, I'm Jeff Reed. I'm Craig Killian. And this is the From First to Last podcast. We are from the Lollipop Guild. The Lollipop Thanks for tuning in. This is the From First to Last podcast. It's a podcast where my friend Craig and I, we get together each week and work our way through a director's theatrical filmography from their first film all the way through to their last. And Craig, we've been talking Sam Raimi. All things Sam Raimi. Season three, it's almost at an end. Oh, wow. I know. It's a crazy, crazy that we're basically, we're, we're on to the last film, man. His last, last film, film today. Madness. Crazy it, town, isn't it? I know, it? isn't it? Isn't it? Just seems like yesterday I was just watching, you know, cream corn come out of a um body. Yes. <laughs> and look, let's be honest, we're gonna watch it again this week in exactly. preparation for our final episode. But what a journey we've been on. Oh, it's been quite the, an amazing journey, hasn't it? It's been bonkers, Craig. I've I've loved it. I have no other way to say it. I just like do you know what? If I think about Season one and two that we did, so Robert Zemeckis in season one. Season yep. two was Zack Snyder. Yep. At the end of Zack Snyder, I think I had a moment where I thought, this could fizzle out. I'm like, tired. I'm tired. It was a challenge to yep. get through Snyder's work. We copped uh, Internet's Finest. I think I think it's because we we went, and it might even be come across, I think we were just, in, uh, it just went to a negative place and we don't work it, well. It did. We don't work well in the shadows. We're not really. We're reverse ninjas. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> reverse vampires. Thank you, Milhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Do the looking but glass. But it's true, people. isn't it, Craig? Like <laughs> we don't we don't work well looking at things negatively, and we spent so much time. I just like, want it draining, man. It's yeah, too fucking draining. And so I was actually worried that we'd get to season three and we'd get to the end of it and just be like, "All right, it was a good run." Yeah, it was a good run. For first to last podcast, thank God it's last. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. I was so concerned by that, Craig. So I'm really glad that it came the way, it played out the way it did. Yeah. Because um, we really, like, it's made me, like, love the podcast again. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. It's, I think Raimi's been such a, um, to use your term, a palate cleanser yes. on these types of things because he's done so much so differently you know what i mean and but it's all it's all in a very positive light ironically even though this is the most horror based crazy isn't it yeah exactly i tried to explain the other night to kathy lee because we were talking about we were tossing up whether evie would watch oz the great and powerful with us oh okay yeah because my memory of it was and from interviews that i'd heard from sam raimi Mm. that he wanted to focus on the horror elements of the original film oh okay yeah uh, so we were a bit worried it was going to be too dark for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but she loves the original. So it's sort of like she really wanted to watch it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so then we got talking on Sam Raimi's sort of filmography and Kathy Lee's like, you know, oh, I just haven't been able to watch any movies with you this season. Because, <laughs> you know, you're watching horror movies and they're dark stuff. And, you know, like I've talked about our faith before and you know you don't want some of that yucky in your house you know exactly yeah exactly um and so but it's really hard to explain that you could watch a film like evil dead and see joy in it oh yeah you you but i think the difference between i guess 
um, just an average cinema fan and and an actual like movie buffs and stuff like that is you actually see the process behind it. Yes. You're not actually seeing um, a dead-eyed on the screen. You're actually seeing, wow, man, this is just a young dude who's yes. just innovating the shit out of... Wow, look at... That is cream corn, but that's a damn good idea. Yeah. What a mad budget <laughs> what saver. A hey. Yeah, exactly. You see, you see more of those and you just go, wow, that's an awesome shot. That's... How's he doing that? You know yeah. what I mean? Instead of it actually, you know, sinking into the film. Yeah. Like sometimes you do. Totally. And so last week, Craig... Uh, we watched Drag Me to Hell. Yep. What an adventure of an episode that was. <laughs> Hashtag. Um, Jeff Watch Exorcist. Oh. Jeff Watch Exorcist. Jeff Watch Exorcist. Jeff Watch Exorcist. No, no, now no. that's a movie that'll test your spirit. Craig and I that'll actually. That'll follow you for, oh, still following me today. <laughs> Craig and I <laughs> went to the movies this week. We went and saw Joker. Um, yep. And there was a trailer for um, Dr. Sleep. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. The sequel to The Shining. And I can tell you that trailer was enough to make me go, oh gosh. Have you watched the original? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's all hardcore. I watched it. I was worried I was not going to enjoy it. But, but you can't because Kubrick's... Oh, he's such a glorious film. I know. He's, he's everything. Every shot is just Actually, beautiful. Actually, cool little Kubrick side note. We had dinner with our cousin um, the other night and she's just come back from London where she went to a Stanley Kubrick exhibition London, that, had, eh? that had props from all these films. And so she'd actually taken photos of his script of The Shining. Oh, wow. Where he had um, just spent pages writing red rum on it so that he could get the exact sort of scrawl that he wanted red rum to be seen. So, so meticulous. You know, you oh, hear man, about yeah. him being meticulous, but... So meticulous. And I, I said to her, you know, have you seen the documentary Room 237 where they reckon everything has meaning, everything yeah. in the shot? And she said, looking at the um, the way that his stuff was in the exhibition, you believe that he would He'd go be that, that type detail. of detail, yeah. Well, everyone just amazing. says he was just, yeah, he was just a, an amazing person. A pretty passionate and yes. crazy. But yes. Yeah, aren't they all? Well, Great artists usually are, right? Yeah, exactly, they? exactly. Um, a little side, another little tangent. I once um, went to, have you ever been to Brett Whiteley House in Sydney? Just yes, thinking about crazy. I went for school. <laughs> but you go in that house and downstairs is this beautiful open gallery. And then we, I don't know if they did it the same when I did it for school as well. Uh, went upstairs to his actual studio and living area. I can't remember it. It but just I know looked I like a crack den. Like it was just dark and crazy up there, and the vibe was totally oh different. Oh man, his whole, all his paintings are, are basically a crack den. Yeah, it's wild, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, it's wild, man. And it's there wild. was a there it's was like a, a stark man's internal memory sequence. <laughs> It's a if he was on psychedelics. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If he was more fucked up. (laughs) They told this story about him living in a hotel that basically was this hotel became an apartment block for pretty much who's who. Yeah. Once upon a time, not in Australia. I think it might have been in the UK, and it was like you've got like Andy Warhol, Jimi Hendrix, Mama Cast, you know all these. Wow. All these insane people living. A lot of fucking drugs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and it was all those people that were on stuff. (laughs) Now, Craig, this week we're talking Oz the Great and Powerful. Yes. Uh, Before we get into that, there was some Raimi news this week. Raimi news. Raimi news. Raimi news. 
So, Sam Raimi was at New York Comic Con this week. Oh, wow. Promoting wow. the fact that um, they're rebooting the Grudge series. Oh. With him producing. Oh, it's okay. always producing. So, someone asked him what his future plans were. Now, we've had not a lot of Raimi news in terms no. of when is he going to do it. There's been a few rumours flying around recently that there may be a new Evil Dead film coming. Yep. Raimi sort of distanced himself from that a little. Yeah, because Bruce Campbell has pretty much said he doesn't want to do it. So, um, so someone asked him about um, would he direct the Grudge reboot? Yeah, and so his response was, "I'd love to. I love directing. It's hard though. It's hard when you don't have the best script to direct. I'm waiting to find a script that really speaks to me, something that everyone would love, but is really personal to me too." Then I'll be back in the director's chair. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then he added to that, what's next is I'm writing a movie with my brother Ivan and I'm hoping to make that. Oh, that'd be so damn good. There we go. And the last film that he actually wrote with Ivan was Drag Me to Hell. Oh, wow. Wow. So there you go, Craig. That's that's Raimi news for this week. We can only speculate what's going on there. On a related topic, I have Franco news. Ah, uh, Franco news. Ah, uh, Franco news. Oh. Uh. Franco has been um, attacked for sexual assault again. Right. Franco thinks he's James Franco thinks his life is um, an eighties tit flick film, and uh. created a. Oh, <laughs> I did. I did hear this. Acting class school. Where um, he got all the most beautiful girls in the acting no, classes. No, did you hear what the lesson was? Yeah, and did like sexual orgies and stuff. Like How to shoot a sex scene yep. was his class. And then he never had them wearing the, um, basically the plastic protection. He made protection them remove the protections. And was doing all very much, much, much sexual innuendo. Not good. And he filmed it. Filmed it and he kept the rights to all the videos get the right yeah. to keep all the videos. Yeah, that's not that's not a good look at all, is it? No, Craig? that's not great and powerful at all. Yeah, no, that's very douchebaggery. All right, but well, thanks oh, no, for no, taking, no. thanks for taking us there, Craig. <laughs> oh, come on, look, it has to be said. It has yeah. to be said. There's a yeah. pedo in the room that has to be said. Oh gosh, no, I don't no, want to make crazy. claims like that. No, no. Oh well, look, you're sending stuff to 17 year old kids. That's true. <laughs> Look, I, I distanced myself from Craig's views. <laughs> um, so we are talking this week, Oz the Great and Powerful. Oz are you Great finished Pepper? with your Franco news? Oh, yeah, pretty much. Okay, good. You just wanted to put that out oh, there. Oh, I've good, got more good. Franco stuff, though. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. So should we hook in, Craig? Let's hook it. All right, we've got four years from Drag Me to Hell to Oz the Great and Powerful. Awesome, four years. But that's only a little portion of Disney's... I'm going to say love affair with The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So what's really crazy is, um, oh, I just want to take a moment before we get there to just talk about what's been going on in the four years for Raimi. Because oh, cool. really four yeah. years is a long time between films. I freaking oath. And Raimi's like Guillermo del Toro. He's always like got his fingers in a million Yeah, he's pies. working on stuff. Now, yeah. he is producing a lot at this time. So yeah. we've got to remember post-Spider-Man, he's now involved with, you know, there was... Uh, the grudge films that he works in, works on as a producer. He, mm. he really works on a lot of um, taking a lot of those Korean horror films yeah. and bring them into an American audience. So yeah. he was not directing, but producing all those films at the time. Yeah, so there's that a lot was, of work in that. That was good stuff too. Um, also in, to in conjunction with this, um, 
he's spent a couple of years developing Warcraft, <sighs> only to let that go. So yeah, I know what could have been. <laughs> so I was so excited he's when been, I heard that news, man. Me too. I was so pumped. Me too, so indeed, pumped. Craig. So he's spent. That's what he's sort of been doing in that four years. Lots of producing. He spent like I think I remember for. From memory, it was like two years he worked on Warcraft only to let it go. Oh, that's so, so tragic, man. you can imagine how close in two years he got to sort of getting filming yeah. happen. And I wonder, I wonder would he have casting being different, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Like, even though I like Travis Fimmel, he's just constantly drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that accent is. But <laughs> still, he's always like he's drunk. Yes. Yep, he mm. sure is. Um, so I just want to say a big thanks. I found this amazing article um, through the week by someone named Jim Hill. Yep. I might put a link up yes, on the Facebook at some point. But he really details um, the history of Oz and Disney. Oh, okay. And it's an 80-year love affair, mm. essentially, to this film. So I'm just going to give a little recap and then people can have this read through. It's got beautiful like um, production design art, you know, concept awesome. art, heaps of stuff for all these different variations of Oz that, that Disney actually has developed. So we're going to go all the way back to the 1930s. A all long way, way back. back. <laughs> a long way back. And this is what's wild, Craig, is because it dawned on me. We're about to get to 2020 next year, right? Yeah. In our lifetime... Do you realise we're going to watch the 100th anniversary of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Good Lord. And The Wizard of Oz. Wow. In our lifetime. Wow. And in saying that, the new Judy movie's coming out. Looks awesome. Yeah, it does. I've look heard awesome. some Renee great Zoe things. Looks great um, so it's the 1930s, and Walt Disney has just had a monster hit with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yep. Uh, I think if I remember, it might have been 34. Um, that's just taking a wild stab. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so he begins looking for what his project following Snow White's going to be. Wants to make another animated film. So he actually gets his brother to reach out um, to L. Frank Baum's estate. Yep. Or publishers to see if he can get the film rights to The Wizard of Oz. Yep. Now, he finds out that mere weeks earlier... They've already been purchased. Oh. Okay. Um, by Samuel Goldwyn. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, <laughs> for those who don't know who Samuel Goldwyn is, he is a legendary studio head. Um, he's the man who he created Paramount Pictures. Yep. And MGM Studios. Yep. Um, the so Roaring Lion. That's right. The Roaring Lion. So Samuel Goldwyn purchased the rights to The Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. for $60,000. Oh, that's big at that time. Yeah. 1930 Yep. That's big money. Um, that's depression money. <laughs> yeah. That's not dirt money. Yep. That's, that's like exactly top soil. Right. That's like real good stuff. So <laughs> um, in 38, Goldwyn then sells on the rights um, to Lewis B. Meyer, who co-founded MGM Studios with him. Yeah. So in 39, The Wizard of Oz is released and everyone's like, just praising the film. You know, and <sighs> yeah. it is. It's a glorious film. Yeah. So Disney uh a bit disappointed by that, but is not deterred. So he has this years past and in the fifties has an opportunity and buys the other eleven books in the Oz series. Cool. So he gets the film rights to all of those books. 
Um, Gets crack back. He sure does. And so what he does is he starts... Um, Walt Disney has launched a TV show at the time called Disneyland. Oh, okay. And on that, they would have segments from the Mouseketeers and oh, cool. little animated it's like a variety segments. Like Warner's yeah. had one. Yeah. Warner's so, brothers. So he's got that going. And so he thinks um, that... Oz may be great to have little segments on this Disneyland show. Oh, that would be interesting. Okay, so he starts getting people to to develop a script based on the book rights that they have. Yeah. And in 1957, he Walt Disney's handed a script called The Rainbow Road to Oz. Yeah. So he liked it so much that he actually said, this isn't even, this is too good for television. We're <laughs> going to make a musical that's yeah. going to be a feature film musical. Isn't that funny? Too good for television. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to say that today, isn't it? Uh, it just, sure is. You're, you're spoiled for choice today. You go, actually, the studio wants to cut it down by two hours. I'll just make it a TV show. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm not going to. And it makes you, that line of thought nowadays makes you wonder, like, let's say a film like Jupiter Ascending. Let's talk Jupiter Ascending. Should have, yep. Now, if that was a television show, that got to take place over eight to ten hours. Yeah. What a world we would have Oh, had. man, it would have been amazing. It so much better than that piece of crap that they did release. And I honestly... What was it? Eight? Zero? Something, oh, something weird. It was... Seriously, it was not great. Yeah, no. It was but horrible. it felt like something that had just been cut down and you were watching the highlights reel. Yeah. Like a Toffa Grace supercut. <laughs> 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 so, but... So, Rainbow Road to Oz is fast-tracked and it's actually announced in the trade papers as their feature film musical that they're developing and they begin doing, um, you know, costume designs, concept art, all this sort of thing. And um, they'd planned on uh, people who were heavily involved with the Mouseketeers to be involved, so they were going to play cast members such as Dorothy and all that sort of stuff. Oh, cool. So, they begin showing pieces of the tests and little segments of songs on the Disneyland show, yeah. including a 15-minute section where they oh, basically wow. showcased it on the show. Yeah. Just to build, you hype. know, momentum and hype. Um, but in February 1958, there was actually no sign of the film at all. And huh. rumours started circulating what had happened to the film because it had been almost 12 months and in those days the film would have been done, locked, yeah, out. You know, everyone would be seeing it by now. Um, so rumours begin surfacing that Disney may not be liking the project and that it had been scrapped. And then um, what essentially unfolds is Walt Disney loses faith in the project and shifts all his focus from Rainbow Road to Oz mm-hmm. to Babes in Toyland. Oh, wow. And so much so, he shifts all the resources from Oz, including cast, over to Rainbow Road of Oz. And no, so oh the God. article the article actually goes through and shows that within uh, Babes in Toyland, yeah. there are all these people, like you can see the guy who was going to play the scarecrow and he looks like a scarecrow. <laughs> the one that was going to play the <laughs> Wicked Witch. You know, they're yeah. all in there playing other roles. Um, and so they basically, Disney is sitting on a soundtrack of stuff that had been written for this musical, didn't know what to do with it had a potentially, um, you know, time moves on and they start almost losing the rights to, to the Oz yeah. books. And they had to sort of do some stuff because they ran a real risk that it was going to go back into the public domain. 
Ah, and then okay. anyone can make yeah, it. Yeah, then it's stuff, all just gone. You know, so they start releasing um, musical storybooks on vinyl. Do you remember those? Yeah, I remember those. So, so it's like you know, you'd get the songs, and then it would read a bit of the book that you yeah. follow along with, and go bring, turn the page. So they released ones for each of the characters. There was like a Tin Man one, and a Cowardly Lion, and a Scarecrow, yeah. and all the songs from the musical were on there. And you could actually buy like a soundtrack, the songs from Oz uh, that Disney had released. And so um, we're just going to skip forward a lot. We're in the eighties now, Craig. Ooh. The heady times of the 80s. Yes. Wolf of Wall Street days. Yes, that's right. It's getting wild. So they're really worried about the public domain rights again. Yep. So Disney needs to move on something. And the then head of Disney um, was pretty upset with the fact that they're holding on to these rights for now 50-odd years. Yeah. And I'd no be one's, pissed off too. No one's really done anything with what is a classic property. Hell yeah. So Tom um, Wilhite is the man. And he starts pushing and talking to directors to pitch him an idea for an Oz film. Yep. Sounds awesome. Okay. So Walter uh, Murch is hired, based on his proposal, to write and direct a film they were calling Oz at the time. Just the word Oz. Now, Murch had um, some pretty big credits to his name, but hadn't directed anything at that stage. Okay. He had written George Lucas's THX 1138. Oh, really? Huh. Um, the 1979 Black Stallion film, <laughs> right? And he had just won an Academy Award mm-hmm. for his sound and editing work on Apocalypse Now. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's epic. Yep. Beautiful sound. So, oh, that's and superb. If you go through his filmography as a sound editor, there are some amazing films. Wow. He, damn, man, he's an all-rounder, isn't he? So... Merch writes, uh, begins developing, writes, and directs 1984's Return to Oz. Yay! Scariest actress in now, the world. Now, Return to Oz was a box office failure. I know. Uh, became, gained a real cult following a year later when it's released on VHS. Yep. And has since gone on to have a very um, cult following in all of this. And somewhere thousands and thousands of kilometers away. There's a little redhead with freckles in a little town called Head and Greeter that picked up the VHS <laughs> and she loved she loved that movie Return to Oz. Yes. And when she had when she found a big fat Asian man to marry and they had a child, she said, I want to bring it back. And we've watched that freaking movie a lot, a lot of times. Craig Killian. For is a bulk, man. Just still freaky back then. And it's a freaky ass show. Now can I ask is that the same actor that we watched in Hard Target? No. no. Oh. Freezer Box out of the craft. Oh. She's a great machine. She's just somehow, she, she doesn't seem it there, but she went on to just to play the crazy roles in every, in yeah. every movie afterwards. And I think puberty sent her down the goth way. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, I remember who you're talking I know yeah. who you're talking about now. I was doing the, I think it was the name that was sort of like, is it? Yeah, I, I know, know it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the rights then returned to public domain after that. Yep. And there's a free-for-all for anyone can make Oz things. Yeah, I was but having an argument with my accountant about Marvel. I mean, not Marvel, about Disney and the rights coming back to public domain. Yeah. So Peter Howard on. Yeah, it. So, Peter, hope you're listening. They went back to the public domain. Um, since then, there's been so many iterations of Wizard of Oz yeah. come out, uh, including a Muppets Wizard of Oz. Oh, brilliant. Um. And the um, musical Wicked. 
Did you ever see Wicked? No, but I always wanted to. It's it amazing. Huge. Hey, I've actually seen huge. it twice. That's oh, how much really? I enjoyed it. Then I've got that TV series, The Emerald City. The Emerald City, Tin Man. Tin Man. Yeah, that's right. There was that one, Tin Man. Hey. Yep. There's some good things. So we're going to fast forward a fair bit again. Uh, we're going to fast forward nearly 30 years. Back in the old days when um, we actually fast forward. So Mitchell Kapner uh, begins developing a project. After And after seeing Wicked, he's like, he's a, he's a writer um, and producer. And he starts thinking, oh, man, I've had this Oz idea for years. I think I've missed the boat after Wicked. Yeah. Still pursues it, starts pitching it out to a few studios to see if they'd be interested at yeah. all. So he pitches his idea to Sony. They turn it down, right? Um, and then has a meeting with um, the head of Disney at the time um, with pr- producer Joe Roth, um, not head of Disney. Um, and Joe Roth starts passing on all these ideas that he's pitching to him. He okay. goes, what else you got? Have you got anything else? And at the time, he'd been reading the stories to his kids, yeah. um, Kapner. He's like, well, I've got this idea for an Oz film. You know, would would you be interested? And he's like, let's do it. So they start writing this film. Um, and what's really interesting is that the reason that they sort of took on, um, that Disney took it on. Yeah. Is it was at the time when Alice in Wonderland had been made. They were prepping the um, Cinderella remake. Ah, yes. You know, all these. And so the the head of Disney sort of starts going, you know what? We've got so many fairy tales out there with female protagonists. Yeah. Why why haven't we got something that's got a male protagonist? Yeah, very true, very true. And so to him, the pitch that these guys were giving for what was currently titled Brick was the name of the film. Oh, okay. I can um, see. To and then him, Ryan Johnson went on to make it. Yeah, yeah great job, Ryan. Um he went so far away from the source material, man. <laughs> yeah. I did not see so one yellow brick. I <laughs> know, oh, man. Like, whatever. <laughs> that said, probably could have handled Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the as the oh, yes. as Oz in this film. But um, so they take on the film. Um, in 2010, uh, reports start coming out that Sam Mendes is going to direct. Wow. With Robert Downey Jr. as the wizard. Yeah, <laughs> that people at home was the sound of Craig Killian's heartbreaking. <laughs> oh, that's dream casting. Oh, hundred percent dream casting. So Sam, oh, I'm sorry. The man. other the other rumor of uh, director at the time was Adam Shankman, who was coming off the back of directing bedtime stories for Disney. Yeah, one classic one. Yep. But in 2010, Sam Raimi's hired as the director. Cool. Now, at this stage, Robert Downey Jr. has turned down the project. And the rumors start coming out that um, Johnny Depp was in line for it. Oh, really? As the wizard. Yes. Yes, indeed, Craig. But then again, you know. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we'll get to that later. He actually passed on the project because he was still working on Lone Ranger. And had lined up to do Dark Shadows for Tim Burton next. Oh, I love Dark Shadows. I can't argue now. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, just one of those weird movies that I just... And not, it was it was a Johnny Depp passion project. It's a pure cult following. Yes. You, know, you just go... Oh. 
But Johnny Depp was attaching to everything. At the time as well, I think from memory, he, he attached himself to one of my favorite books, which is called The Spook's Apprentice. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, him and Tim Burton attached themselves to it. And it turned into this really piece of shit movie with Jeff Bridges and I forgot. His Jay Baruchel. Was no, it that no, one? No, 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 That's the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh. That's it. Yeah, that's Disney, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nicolas Cage. No, um, uh, and it turned into The Seventh Son. Oh, yes. Yeah. I didn't watch it. And it's the guy, Ben Barnes. Yes. And. Oh, uh, man. He is so despicable in Westworld. Have you seen Westworld? No. Oh, man. Oh, man. But seriously, him. shocked. Shocked, man. They would have done it so well. And they're going to call it Spooks. Oh, Tim Burton would have. Uh, yeah, man, Tim Burton, a lot of missed, missed projects there. Ironically, just a little tidbit, Spooks was actually renamed um, in the US. Yeah, MI6 or something like that? No, 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 no. You're thinking of something totally different. Oh, I love Spooks the British are, show Spooks. Yeah, exactly. You're thinking <laughs> of something totally different. No, no, Spooks was renamed. So, yeah, one's that. And one, it didn't want to, there's racial connotations in the States to what a spook is. Oh. That's uh, African-American back in those old day, old racist days. Oh, really? Yeah, I always Jim thought Crow it was, um, was more of a, like, um, like a informant, like a Yeah, that's a what I thought it was like a spy. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, Maybe that's FBI, the, in, yeah. the British connotation is the spook is Yeah, that. well, in this, in this book, the spook is actually a witch finder. A witch oh, hunter. cool! So it's it's that it's old school medieval, and that's what he was meant to a oh, fantasy. It's old oh. and he put her on an apprentice, and they go hunting witches. How good and would a Tim this, Burton like, fantasy oh. film be? Oh man! And it was back in the like it was set in like the 16th century and all this oh. stuff. And it, then Johnny Depp played the grizzled old um, witch oh, finder, man. yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, so that's yeah. I feel and like we what, need that in our life, Craig. Oh man, seriously! And Jeff Bridges just. Mumbled his way through it. <laughs> He's pretty good at it. <laughs> That's around the time of True Grit, He's the same in True Grit. So they start, um, they've developed the film, the script has been written. Now, there's some really interesting little tidbits that start happening. Casting's all gone down. They choose James Franco as the wizard. Uh, we will get there later. Mm-hmm. Some beautiful casting for the witches. <sighs> Literally. Yeah. Beautiful. Every one of them. I know. Um, random question. Did Rachel Weiss have a prosthetic nose in this film? Don't know. I don't think so. I don't want to sound terrible, but I'd never noticed her nose sort of being... It was almost like a bit longer outwards when she was on a side profile. Oh. And I wondered if they were doing something to make her... You know, you could go, There's- oh, she might go witchy. You know? She might. There might be, actually, but I... I know she actually has hard features sometimes. Yeah, okay. Sometimes in some films, I think she's beautiful. Actually, oh, she's ridiculously beautiful. Like, and, and I think it also comes in. There's a lot about her that she's beautiful, but not in that stereotype way. Sometimes, yeah. Like she has that beautiful prim and pop. Yeah, she has those beautiful, like big dow eyes, doe eyes. She's like, she's oh. Kate Winslet-y, you oh, know, yeah, in that yeah. field. Of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, ridiculously beautiful. Um. So there's some really odd things. So even though this isn't a sequel to The Wizard of Oz, yep. um, MGM were really concerned about the film being made, that people would consider it, because essentially they're selling it as a prequel to The, yeah. the Wizard of Oz, um, or what people's perception was it's going to be a prequel. Mm. So MGM start coming out with legal like uh, boundaries yep. around making the film. 
So things like they had to approve the shade of green that the Wicked Witch is. Oh. And so it wasn't allowed to be too close to their green. Oh. Yeah. Um, really interesting. Because so it is true, though. The movie does rely upon oh, it, the Wizard of Oz yes. film. Yes. It does rely upon your memory of that. Yep. And um, your... I forget the word for it. But yeah, your your actual love for that old... Yep. Your nostalgia so, for it, shall I say. So what's interesting is, at this rate, uh, by this time, Warner Brothers owns the Wizard of Oz film. Okay. Yep. We'd so they're the ones setting the legal boundaries. Okay, and Disney cool. actually hires a copyright expert <laughs> to just go through and work out what they can and can't oh, use. Cool. So things like, they couldn't um, use the ruby slippers. Because ah. that's a film little thing. Um, they're not weren't allowed to do any sort of character likenesses. Okay, cool. Um, and as I said, um, the color green was sort of a real thing. The other thing that was really interesting is as they enter uh, Munchkinland. Yeah. In the film, I don't know if you remember, there was the swirl of bricks that come to the middle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's they, the start of it. They weren't allowed to. But it's still in the movie. There is a sort of. I had a look at it. It's more of a, um, not a swirl, but almost like a, like a hypnotist sort of. Oh, really? It's different. Oh, it's different. Okay. I was paying attention to it's it. It's same, but different. I think it's probably more it's about. like vanilla ice and under pressure. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I think it's more about the fact that it, it gets more narrow and narrow as it goes in the middle. Whereas this was very clear, sort of the End same of the thickness. Sort of, sort of thing. The other one was they were really concerned with how um, the Emerald City was going to look, ah. so they didn't want the Emerald City to be like, "Oh, that's the Emerald City. I remember it." You ah. know, so I had to be very careful. Now, this is how petty it got. So Disney filed a trademark on Oz the Great and Powerful. Yep, in developing, and this is in 2012. And a week later, Warner Brothers. Files its own trademark for the great and powerful Oz. <laughs> right? Which studios go but to war? They discover that uh, Disney had already anticipated this may happen and they also do. trademarked the great and powerful Oz. So they should. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Yep. So there's, and also they get into filming and there's a few issues with filming. Yep. Not really people being prima donnas or anything like that or directors getting cranky or fighting with uh, fighting with composers. Danny Elfman. Um, but what happened was um, they had a few delays because of the legal issues, <laughs> right? It seems like a bit of a Raimi. <laughs> oh, it's a Raimi typical thing. Raimi. Poor Raimi, um, man. He doesn't get the best runs. No, he doesn't, does he? Um, now, Rachel Weiss had to leave halfway through the shoot, right, for her role, so she could film all of the Bourne legacy that she was already committed to. Oh, my Lord. Right? Which one? Oh, Bourne legacy. Yes, Bourne legacy is yeah, the Jeremy, Jeremy Renner, Renner one. one. And they end up in the Philippines. Yep. Uh, Michelle Williams had to stop filming for a period to go and promote uh, My Week with Marilyn. Oh, right. who was a guy in that with her? Ooh, was it Eddie Redmayne? Could have been. Yeah, I, I feel I know, like it's someone's Eddie jump off role. Yeah. Um, and also during it, James Franco's uh, father passed away. Oh. So there's lots of stuff going on there. 
Um, so it's the curse. Yeah, there's just hard stuff going yeah. on that you can't really allow for. Um, actually, I've heard of this. There's actually mostly a curse across both films. Well, oh, yes, there is. Do you remember there that? A, remember an Oz curse yeah, or the, something? Yeah, the Oz curse, yeah, because, you know, the original Tim Man nearly died. That's because they fucking painted his whole, all of his skin. Silver, yes. And um, there was... there was. And Judy Garland went into the alcoholism. And there's rumours of a, a munchkin hanging from a tree that had committed suicide oh, during yeah, the film. that's all right. All sorts of things. And the munchkins like sexually assaulting Judy Garland. Legit? Yeah, man. That's like one of the latest ones that came out not long ago. Whoa. Yeah, supposedly they were behind her, like groping her and shit like that. Goodness me. I know. Exactly. She was so young at the time. So, um, Dirty munchkins. <laughs> those Dirty munchkins. lollipop girls. On top of that, um, Sam Raimi actually had to sort of fight um, to secure, secure the rating because Disney and the MPAA felt that it was too scary. I know oh, that's weird, isn't it? Well, so, okay, so this the, the release cut was too scary. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So he's probably had some stuff trimmed down. I felt like he probably had some type of I reckon, fluid. No, I reckon. Do you know what I reckon? The plants, the very Doc Ock plants with the eyeballs that oh, yeah, sort of yeah. go. I felt like that came to a close really quickly. Yeah, true. It was sort of weird and. So I felt like maybe that would be something that they oh, cut short. Yeah, exactly. Well, at, least, probably, they, at least the plants didn't try penetrating. So you yeah, know, that's you know, thank Sam goodness for that. <laughs> He's growing since then. <laughs> Thanks goodness <laughs> for that. He's going to eat you. I'm not going to penetrate you. Michelle Williams is like, I'm not part of that. Yeah, I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Craig, that's the um, the lead up to the film. Now, do you want to hear what was released in 2013? I want to hear what's released in 2013. My oh. son, released from my wife. <laughs> Woo-hoo! <laughs> <Bam>! Whoa. <laughs> That was a production that was that difficult. That was a production. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, the number one Mate. film of that year, Frozen. Yay! Disney's Frozen, that Love is. Love it. Let it go. The number two film, Iron Man 3. Oh, great film. Seriously, underrated. Very underrated. I hate you. Number three, Despicable Me 2. Another great film, man. Yep. I didn't realize how much of a f- like full family films they are, man. Yeah, they're, they're great. So much heart. In them. Yeah, uh, it was only until my son was what, oh well, probably about two years ago, that I actually got into them all. Yeah, I think the Despicable Me actually that whole studio illumination. Illumination. They're um we regularly watch Sing. I, I oh really? I haven't seen. Yeah. At first, it's like you go, uh, it's just a talent show. It's like an Australian That's Idol. Had, I had a koala. Koala that doesn't have an Aussie accent. It's Matthew McConaughey, though. Doesn't have an Aussie accent. Ah, no, you don't need it. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a koala. Jeff. I remember that he was meant to be doing an Australian accent. He mustn't have been good <laughs> enough at it. Um, at number four was The Hobbit Desolation of Smaug. Smaug. Probably my favourite of the yeah, Hobbit true. films. I can't say I've really revisited them in ages. Um, they're worth a watch. The, the Desolation of Smaug one's worth a watch just for the barrel scene. So ah, yeah. much fun down the it river, is. they're that bouncing around. Uh, number five, Hunger Games, Catching Fire. Oh yeah, we're in. We're into that again. That um, whole Hunger Games series. Are you? Yeah, How's Brooks it been? Just, that first film's it. phenomenal. Man, at first, because I just started watching the first five minutes, and you realise how damn good of a shows these are. Gary and Ross. So we're on to the second ones now. I love Gary Ross's work. Oh man, seriously, damn good films. Yeah, he's so good. Get in um, on Hunger Games. Number six, Fast and the Furious six. <clears throat> Good, thanks, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to make a noise about anything. Uh, number seven was Monsters University. Oh, I'm gonna go back to jail. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I love those little. Oh moments. man, so seriously, ser- there's a line out of um, 
out of the little Pixar short stories as well, there's one called Partysaurus Rex. And it's one of my <laughs> favorite lines, man. These um these these fishes are stuck at the bottom of this um bathtub and then this floating ball comes down and he's a talking floated ball and he goes, What up fishes? <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds random, but look up Partysaurus Rex, guys, and you'll see it, and it's so hilarious. And I run around there. I literally, to this day, go around the house go, what up, fishes? <laughs> Thanks, all. Craig. Thanks for, randomness. <laughs> Thanks for taking us to Stoner Town for a moment. Um, number eight was an amazing film in Gravity. Yeah. I haven't watched that in years. Yeah. Man. I've actually, I looked the other day on the, uh, been sorting out the collection again. I was released. I've got a 3D version, which I haven't given a go yet, so I'd Jeffrey. love to watch oh, well, it. Well, I can't complain shit. Alfonso Cuaron, what a director. Number nine we've talked about on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. Yeah. Good yeah. film. Number ten was Thor Dark World. Yeah. Like, hey, the portal oh. section's cool well, To be at honest, the end. I think it wasn't a bad film. It's just too, yeah, it's just... Makes it look even worse in comparison because of where Thor is now. Oh, yeah. You know After I mean? Ragnarok, you just Yeah, like... exactly. Oh, look, then the first film was really good too. You know, yeah. But just, yeah. Just, I, I love um, Kat Denning in it. Yeah, she's meow, fun. Meow, meow. <laughs> <laughs> meow, meow. <laughs> um, also, uh, Skarsgård's great. Oh, yeah, he is too. Um, also released were the Evil Dead remake this year. Oh, yeah. My friend, uh, Julius, texted me the other day. He goes, I'm watching the Evil Dead remake. I'm only like 10 minutes through. Oh, I can't gosh. watch much, much more. I'm like, oh, shit, man. Oh, gosh. Really? Yep. Oh, man. I don't nope, know. Nope, I nope. just seen a cut of the, her own tongue, man. I was like, shit. I can't do it. I know, man. Seriously. I if can't you go, do oh, it. man, you're going to love The Exorcist. Oh, you? shut up. Shit. Um, shit, Jeff. Also released was Ob- Oblivion. I love that. Yeah, I watched me that too. about two months ago, man. Does it hold up? Yep. Oh. I love it. Everything about it is one of the most technically. He's the fact he like, doesn't have more films oh man. shocks me. The attention to detail on this film is magnificent, man. Oh, actually, magnificent. I, like the technology in it, yeah, it's workable world. It's yeah. his world building is brilliant, absolutely. Tron brilliant. Legacy. Oh, seriously, I love Tron. Another great world building. Yeah, oh. he's. Um, I saw Are his latest team? film was on uh, Netflix. Just dropped. He's got a I firefighting film. A firefighting film. Yeah, I think it's got like Josh Brolin and a few people in it. Oh wow! Yeah, I have to check it out. Wow, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna yeah, get yeah. on that. Check it. I can't remember what its name is. Terrible. Um, Baz Luhrmann's The Great Gatsby. Yeah, I haven't watched that from start to finish. Oh, Craig, I I love it. Actually, I've never seen it. Yeah, I just you have should to say give it a watch. Out, I've never I own it, but I've never seen it. Oh man, it'll be my new zodiac. I've I'll got it. I've got it. Yeah, you got to watch Great Gatsby. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, everyone. Hashtag. Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> we'll do it, oh, man. Wouldn't that be an awesome double? Oh. The Exorcist and The Great Gatsby. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. That'd I... be awesome. Oh, God. That'd be brilliant. That'd be brilliant. Yeah, I'd wa- I'd have to watch The Great Gatsby afterwards. Yeah, we'd have to. Otherwise, I'd yeah, go into convulsions. Yeah. Oh, man, you're going to go into convulsions anyway. Don't want that. You're going to go into convulsions um, anyway. Also released, Star Trek Into Darkness. I loved it. Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch. He's busy it. this year. Uh, the Hangover 3. Which Still haven't seen it. man, it's I actually think that's the final. Obviously. Yeah, that's the final I one. I think in terms of like Todd Phillips as a director, his growth, it's a really important one because it it steps outside of the genre that he's been doing, and becomes a heist film starring oh, the really? guys from The Hangover. It's oh, cool. awesome, dude. That's they awesome. help they help Mister Chow uh, rob somewhere. <laughs> it's so good. 
It was that moment that I went, he's got way more than just doing dirty comedies. He should do a joke movie. Yeah, totally. Uh, the Purge was released. Have yeah. you seen The Purge? Yeah, I have. It's cool. Yeah, it's not bad, man. Um, I love the Frank Grillo ones later as well. Oh, oh, I haven't watched the Frank Grillo one yet. Oh, they're fun, man. Oh, it's that's just, right. He's done two of them, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they're fun. Uh, now You See Me is released. My guilty pleasure. <laughs> love it. I've seen it, but I just can't say Jesse. Uh, this is the end. Oh, I was watching clips of that the other day. My boy walked in. Oh gosh! <laughs> I know. Stop! Stop! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was Michael Sarah getting stabbed by the. Oh <laughs> by man! The so funny. Oh, so good. Um, also released. I'm just going to pump through a few. Wolf of Wall Street. Oh wow! This is a good year. This is a damn good year, man. Wolf of Wall Street is hardcore. Uh, Forty Seven Ronan was released. Man, what could have been? Didn't, yeah, still didn't mind it. Um, World War Z. Yeah. I, I like it. I, yeah, I like, I like it, it. But, you know, you just go... Oh. Mark Foster is a director that people don't give enough credit to. But also in another thing, man, imagine if they stuck to the original script. Oh, that's, so, why, that's why the Fincher possibility for the sequel was so exciting. Oh, because no. essentially they could follow the book yeah. down the road that it goes, which I love that book so Oh, that much. book's amazing. Yeah, you got me onto that. That was an amazing book. Also released The Lone Ranger. Yay. <laughs> I love it. I'm still trying to get Kathy Lee to watch it with me. Uh, Pacific Rim. Hey. Yeah, yeah. So bad, it's good. Um, and The Wolverine. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't mind it. Some great films Man, here. Man, did not mind The Wolverine. So, Craig, that's the film in a nutshell. We mm. know what's been released this year. It yep. could be a vintage year. Just under. Just under a vintage? Just okay, under. it's just a good drop. Yeah, good drop. Um, so, Craig, for those at home who have may, may not know about Oz the Great and Powerful, mm-hmm. um, who may need a little refresher, yep. let's just take a moment and let's just hear about it. It's Sam Raimi's final film and he's taking us to the land of Oz. The film tells the story of how the wizard arrives to Oz and how his sleazy ways would turn three sisters against each other, bringing on the birth of the Wicked Witches. Let's talk about Oz, the Great and Powerful. So good, Craig. Now, when was the last time you watched this film? Never. Craig? You never watched it? That's right, yes. That's right. Holy moly. Interesting. What did you expect then? As a fresh set of eyes on this film. Fresh set of eyes? I expected a, um, a good... Not a great one because obviously it never picked up as great. No one ever picked it up as great. Yep. Uh, um, and I've never really heard a cult behind it picking yeah. it up as well, so I never picked up in the long run. I was just like, it just it might be just a run of the mill. Yeah. Raimi film. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Um, I had a look. It had probably been about six years since I'd seen it, wow. which is like when it was released. <laughs> I think I think I'd seen it at the movies and then um, bought it. On Blu-ray when it came mm. out. And so I watched uh, the Blu-ray release and then hadn't watched it since then. So I guess for me, I had an idea of what the film was like. Um, I think that my hopes were higher for it than I actually got. <laughs> um, which is interesting because we watched it all together. And it's really funny. At the end, Evie asked us to rank the film. <laughs> 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 That's my girl. Um, she's like, what would you give it out of 10? <laughs> and me being very diplomatic was, uh, I gave it a six. Oh. Um, Kathy Lee gave it a three. 
<laughs> because of the same reasons I feel Craig Killian's going to give it a oh, not great score. Cool. She is not a fan of James Franco at all. No. Uh, but I guess for me, thinking about it in the context of Raimi's filmography, the idea of a film set within Oz actually makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Cause, and also, obviously, when you're talking about he was almost on World of Warcraft. Yes. Um, he was just, he wanted to be in a fantasy yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, in hindsight now, I think this was too fairy tale versus fantasy. Ah, uh, yeah, true. True. You know? Yeah, different um, But I guess when I think about what I was expecting was, I thought the dark elements of Wizard of Oz are perfect for Raimi. Yeah. The mad-capped wacky moments of Wizard of Oz yeah. are perfect for Raimi. Yeah. But, like, what I wasn't anticipating was how much this felt like I was watching a Tim Burton film. Yeah, see, the, the odd thing about it is, and this sort of struck me, um, is that it's like a Tim Burton film, but it doesn't have the authenticity of a Tim Burton film. It's weird. It's like he got um, given Burton's script, isn't it? It's it's like that. It's But... Everything, even the design of the film. Yeah. Um, I saw this movie as um, two halves, man. So Tell look, me more. Pretty much, look, straight to the point. I went in very open about James Franco. Yep. I was like, yep, cool. Sort of don't like the dude, but I'm interested to see what, what you can pull out of it. And he just came across as smarmy and painful. But mainly, he couldn't carry a film. No. It was only really, let's be honest. When the others came into it. Not when Milo Kunis came into it. No, it was no. still crap at that time. Yeah. But, you know, because you've got my worst people in the world there. Fucking um, Zach Braff and freaking <laughs> Zach Braff and um, James Franco. Oh, God, I couldn't think Did of Did you like Zach be. Braff's monkey, though? I didn't mind it. He, yeah. he was actually pretty good as a monkey. But um, He's it was when... Zach. He's healing Zach. It was when basically... Um, Look, when she turns into the Wicked Witch. Oh, man. That the movie just kicks into another game. And I loved it. Yeah. Loved it from then onwards. Yes. Loved those. Loved it from when, you, um, obviously, they're introduced. Well, from when they're introduced to Glinda. And yeah. you see the... And you see... The film takes that, off, It takes it? off perfectly. Because it's almost like... Um, and the and it, it even, like, it seems like... Um, the film is filmed by a different person after that yeah. as well. Yeah. Like, the first bit seems... Oh, it seems like those early 2000s fake ass. Um, yes. Like even like the effects aren't, aren't crash hot. Yeah. The way they're dressed is, isn't very, yeah. you know, like what? why is she wearing that in that place? You know what I mean? Like where the she shows hat. up in that giant hat in red. You know, it just seemed, and, and it, once again, it just seemed like something straight out of wardrobe. Yeah. Nothing, you know, nothing obviously to the level of a Lord of the Rings outfit. But, you know, it doesn't seem... Fit with the world that yeah. she's in. It's almost like they skipped a part where, like, you know, you expected her to be a flower. You know, there's yeah. all these flowers that look the same, and then suddenly she steps out and she's the same as yeah the but, world. But the effects weren't like that crash hot in that part. No, and like, what's really hard in the film is Raimi wanted so wanted it to be all practical. Yeah. But then you had these green screen moments of like mountains in the background, yeah, where they looked like they weren't even there. They were. Uh, it was. That's right. It's. It struck me like those dodgy 
not straight up it's dodgy 3D films. Yes. You know what I mean? Like those post conversions. Yes, your your journey to the center of the earth. Yeah, you know all Wrath those. Wrath of types. the Titans. Yeah, exactly. And you're just like, oh, really? Like the colors are off. Yeah. Um, you know, but then once again, second, Marla Kunis just stole the show. She sure does. You know, the second she turns into the Wicked Witch. Yeah. Which is a brilliant sequence. Oh man! From the moment that she starts getting heartbroken. Yeah. And her tears are burning her face yeah. in acid. Like, that's that's when I feel like we got Raimi. Yeah, exactly. So it's almost as if, like, I was half expecting that I would find out that the film had actually been started by Tim Burton yeah. and he'd quit. So it's like that early stage in Oz from yeah. when he lands and does all that sort of stuff. Like, even the design of those fairies that, like, bite him. Yeah. They felt like a Burton thing, not that, a Raimi thing. Yeah, it does. It does. It, it feels like the start was directed by um, the guy who done bedtime stories. Yes. And then afterwards... They're like, oh, crap. Oh, crap. Get get Raimi in. He, he knows how to clean shit up. Yep. And then they got Raimi in. Yeah, and I wonder if we'll find out one day that was the case. Because it really does. Like, it's not until they're looking through the, um, the ball... Yeah. ...that... You'd start getting that taste of Raimi in the film. Yeah, exactly. And, and then oh, but can we take a moment? Oh, you go do your thing. I know, but then there's like little moments of like in the start, there's like almost like reshoots, Raimi yes. reshoots in it. Yes, totally. Like you said, like that little creature, you know, when you first see it, that's very Raimi-ish. But. Yeah. But, and I noticed, and this is what makes me think you're right with the reshoots, Craig, mm. is there are shots where Franco looks really chubby under his yep. neck and there's other shots that he doesn't look that way at all. Yeah. And so it makes you go, oh, whoa. Like, what's going on there? Yeah. I was actually, like, there were moments where I was like, is Franco getting fat? Yeah, What's exactly. going on here? What's going on, you know? Franco? <laughs> um, so i got to say, though, I flip and love that opening oh, with the title credits in black and white. Beautiful. And um, that's so Raimi, beautiful title credits coming through to the four by three ratio. And it's and it's good. And it's an odd thing. It's um, I guess they're just... Putting their finger up to MGM at the time. It's yeah. a good throwback to oh, the it's Wizard a of Oz movie, isn't it? beautiful throwback. Isn't it? Yeah. It's so good. It's almost like... I've never read the book, so would it be like that in the book? I don't know. I don't know, because that seems like a genuine... After what you've told me, man, that's a big reference, man. That's yeah, it's a, a big huge reference. one, isn't yeah. it? Um, yeah, I'd love to know how it plays out in the book. Anyone I've got the that's book, actually. I've got the book at home. Have you? Yeah, I've been meaning to read it to Carter. We, we've been thinking about doing it here so yeah. I, I'd love to have it but if you've read it out there shout out to us yeah. send us an email hit us on Facebook in we'll fact, at FFTL Podcast oh, I love it Craig and at FFTL Podcast everywhere people um, so yeah it's really interesting let's just get there let's address the elephant in the room Craig yeah and uh, let's talk James Franco let's talk Franco I think this film holds so much promise yeah and it really is. Now, when you when you hear the the lead up to the film, it sounds like they were pushing for these giant leads to lead the film. Yep, exactly. Yep. And for some reason, and there are giant leads, man. Yeah. Now, I'm going to posit an actor who would have been perfect at this time. Yep. Imagine Hugh Jackman. Oh, you could have done it in a heartbeat. Because Hugh heartbeat. Jackman's got this ability to sort of be a little. I know Jackman, but Jackman's like he is the showman. 
Yeah. Like, all you have to do is watch The Greatest Showman, and that is Oz. I haven't watched it yet. You know what I mean? Um, but that's, you know what I mean? Like, that's, he can he can put that on everywhere. Yep. Uh, Franco, man, he's just... Do you know what I realised? Sorry, I'll, yeah, go. I'll, I'll, go. I was talking into my beer instead of... <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Sticky music. Yo, 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 I love that reference, Craig. <laughs> um I was, we were watching it and there's this moment where um, Franco's character is meant to be really happy. Yeah. And he tries to smile. And it just reminded me of um, almost like that, oh, what's the movie? Where they're like, smile for me. And it's like he's forcing this smile yeah. that he's never smiled before in his life and it's this horrible thing. And I realised... The, the only moments that I've watched a James Franco movie and he's been great in mm. is when he's playing a character that's tragic and melancholic. Yeah. And I think the reality is that I don't think Franco, at his, I just don't think he knows how to be happy. I think. Uh, but there's also, he's meant to come across as charming. Yes. But he comes across as arrogant. Yes. Um, which I think is Franco as well. Yeah. Um, which, if you ironically, if you think about one of his best best roles, which hundred and one one twenty seven hours, one twenty seven hours, he's he's an arrogant climber. Yeah, but you don't um, get that feeling in the but film. He's basically oh no, there's parts of it where he basically he comes across, like, but he does that well. He yeah. does that whole part well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then it comes across. Then, but this film. He's meant to carry, you know, he's meant to, and you just don't care about it's him. A, he just comes across, he comes across as a douche. He does, doesn't like, he? And, you, and it hurts me that, I've, and I've never looked into this, but it hurts me that, man, that Robert Downey Jr. was close to doing it because Robert Downey Jr. is would be the perfect embodiment. He would. He you would. Know, of the cheeky, the cheeky, not a con man, but, you know, the cheeky, you know, the basically the cheeky survivor. Do you know who would be a great one? It wouldn't have been. But Jack would have been great as well. Imagine a Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell would have done it well. He no, would have done. Oh, well. here's one. I've got it. Edward Norton. Ooh, I don't know. Edward Norton. I'm you on reckon? it. Yep. Think of Edward Norton. The score. Oh, I still don't know. I still don't. Know. But like, he's not light-hearted enough to carry a fairy tale. True. True. Oh, but oh, I just Ed love Norton. Edward Norton. It's Ed Norton, you know what I mean? You like just got to watch him in a Wes Anderson film. He's talented enough to do anything. So, yeah, I but could say it. i got to say... It's better than Franco. James Franco is a leading man in a film with a $215 million budget. Yeah, never. Which is crazy town. So, this film goes on to make just under $500 million. Worldwide. Yeah, who would have been better in this role? Seth Rogen. Well, I did think... I thought um, he's actually. I wrote this note down. Zach Braff should have been the, the wizard. Don't say that. No, hundred percent. Zach Braff should have been the wizard, and Franco should have been the monkey, <laughs> or Seth Rogen as the monkey. Seth Rogen would have been a good monkey. I just think. I think, for, unfortunately for the film, Franco's not like Franco is just not where he needs to be for the movie. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't done like. Uh, it, all his movies since then, I haven't seen, 
you know, I just see the same reflection. Yeah. And Kathy Lee asked me, she said, oh, has he ever done something? Because she said, every time I look at him, I just think he's dumb. Every time I look, oh, yeah, I just see, I see that guy who basically posts on Instagram, Instagram with, you know, girls on his shoulder and stuff like that, you know. Not that Franco does that. Frat boy yeah, sort of. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he strikes me as just a frat boyish type, you know, douchey guy, you know. And, you know, a lot of the allegations come out that similar, but nothing's been proven. So no. you can't really say. Allegations. Allegations, exactly. Opinions aren't fact. But, um, yeah, and so it's, but he just, it was disappointing too because it's so disappointing because everyone around him is bringing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's yeah. such a good, and it's a good film around him. It's just when he's, he, when he's on the screen pretty much by himself, he's just not good. No. When he's it's the one weird, leading, isn't he's it? not good. He's just not, he doesn't carry. He's not the leading man in a movie that needs one. What do you think? Let's say you're Sam Raimi. Let's put ourselves in yep. his shoes for a moment. What is there from previous work with James Franco that makes you go, he is perfect for this? I can see the and the thing that's and I think has tricked most of Hollywood for a long time is Franco has a beautiful look. Yeah, true. He has a beautiful. It's like um early Josh Hartnett. Yeah. Remember yeah, early yeah. Josh Hartnett? He just had that. Chiseled jaw, man, and he just—he looked like a Calvin look. Klein sort Calvin of model. Calvin Klein model, you know what I mean? Like I look, I think Josh Hartnett could have done well here as he built. As Josh Hartnett now has grown into, like, yeah. into, I think he's a good actor. Um, but he he at, when he's that early stage, he's uh, like Ashton Kutcher. Yes, you know what I mean? Like they have that look, but they've just Ashton Kutcher and um, James Franco have never really outgrown. Their early the 20s. same roles. Yeah, they're, they're early twenties. You know, even though Franco's, he's an artist. You have yes. to admit it. You know have you I mean? seen the Disaster Artist? No, I haven't seen it. So I just want to posit. I'm not saying James Franco's not a good actor. No, I just don't think he can embody this type of role, mm. which has to have some joy in it, has to have some humor, all yep. those sort of things. He is amazing in the Disaster. I artist. think he's an independent. Yeah, he's one of the. He's like um. But Sarah Polly, you know what I mean? Those yeah, people, true. You know, they're, they're those people who are designed for um, indie these films. Indie films, you know what I mean? Like you put him in a big film like this, he you need to have something that's more than acting. Yeah, you know what I mean? You can't just be that. I love him in Pineapple Express, though. Oh, I loved What's him crazy in Pineapple Express, man. I thought he was hilarious yeah, in Pineapple Express. Yeah, that's exactly right. But I loved him in This Is It. Yeah. I thought he was hilarious. He plays the role so well. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And I think what it is is you needed to see, you know, let's think about the moment when Oz is in the bubble with Galinda. Yep. And they come up towards the wall. Yeah. And she says, only the person who is of of a good heart will be allowed through. Yeah. And he starts panicking because he knows deep down that he's a con man. Yeah. But there has to be something in the character that makes you understand how he got through. There needs to be a warmth to the character. Exactly. 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 And I don't think we get it. No, you don't. And that's the thing. You don't. And and nor does he earn it. Yeah. In any like in most shape of form, he doesn't seem like he like um well, he doesn't come across like he's earned it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or yeah. like he's learnt much from it, you know what I mean? And so it's very it's incredibly and there's that. nothing in him that makes you understand why three witches would all be attracted and fighting for him. Yeah, exactly. Three gorgeous women, yeah, who all want him. Like, I, I, yeah. It's, so, like, obviously, I understand Miller. She's she was just, you know, 
young really and innocent. young and innocent. You know, yeah. wanted to fall in love and be married and blah blah blah. Which is, I loved it. I loved the whole storyline of it. I yep. just, yeah, just Franco just destroys the film for me. Yeah, he does, and that's it's and that's a horrible thing to say. You know what I mean? Like to really put it on one actor's shoulders, but but it's it's how a film could be made or broken by an actor. Yeah, exactly. I just, yeah, because if we think about our favorite films. Let's go yeah. back. Let's not even pick an, a favourite film. Uh, the film Oblivion that we talked about before. Yep. If you don't have Tom Cruise in that lead role, yeah, it's a different film. Well, There's the cast, only a cast certain, of four people in it. Yeah. yeah. Let's think, um, you know, again, James Franco is astounding in 127 Hours. Yeah. But Enjoyed it. You couldn't have someone, Tobey Maguire couldn't play that role. No. Like James exactly, Franco does. Exactly. You know, so there are there are roles that need a certain person. And I think maybe Disney are just pushing to get this film made and they had to settle for Franco. Yeah, it's weird. Oh, but look, also at this time... Is this could, post 127 hours? I don't know. Because I wonder if he's coming off his Oscar buzz. It's Yeah, there was a time where Franco was up and coming. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Um, you know Hosting I mean? the Oscars. Like in the studios, you know? Yeah. To the studios, he was like, yeah. Yeah, Franco's... He's, if we line him up well... Yeah, he's going to be huge. Yeah, it's true. And um, this probably show people that no, he's not. Look, um, I haven't seen the movies he's directed. I don't know if he's better behind the camera. Shoot it, shoot us an email for years. Get on the Facebook for yeah. first last podcast. Let us know. Um, let us know. Yeah, exactly. I'd love. Here's one that I would have loved to see in this role: Taylor Kitsch. Could have done it easily. I just saw the. Oh, John could he done? Could he? Could he? If he had done the comedy though. Like, yeah, I reckon he can. Lightheartedness to it. I reckon he can. Like, there's plenty. I think obviously he's got skills. He's there got are skills. plenty of actors, you know, like that yeah. could have done it and yep. could have pushed through on this. Um, you know, like you said, Joseph Gordon-Levitt at that time, or even now, you know, probably now better. Now would have done perfect it perfect for him. Could have primed for him. You know, what I mean, you could, you just you bring out these actors who are just. Um, just charisma off the screen, you know, yeah. your Chris Pratt's and all that. Yeah. People. Yeah, you know see, I mean? but I started thinking about it. it got me down this line Chris of Chris Pratt's thought. always that. But he's like, he's he's the modern day Harrison Ford. He is. He just plays Chris Pratt. He does, doesn't he? And, yeah. and he does it well. But it really got me thinking, there's really no, let's talk sort of early 30s. Yep. Mid-20s, early 30s. Yep. We don't really have many actors that are, like this guy's gonna be something. It's do you I know could, what I mean? Because it got me thinking. Like we talk about your Danny Juniors, yeah, your Johnny Depp's, yep. your Hugh Jackmans. They're yep. all people that can play a dark and a light. Yeah, that two shades. A showman. Yeah, but I'm just not sure if we have many true showmans coming through. Well, I think it's that that line between actor and superstar. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like your obviously your um. Your superstar is obviously your Tom Cruise's yep. and all those. Um, and your actors, you know, let's be honest, your actors are people like James Franco in those small. Yeah. But just can't, they don't have that charisma to carry film. Yeah. Um, early 20s now. Yeah. It's, Can you look, think of anyone? Like a young, a young superstar in the making. Who was the last young person that you went, that guy's going to be a superstar? Well, look, I, I like Taron Egerton. Yeah, that's true. Um, Taron. Taron, even though, like I watched Robin Hood the other day, he's not bad in it. It's a it's, fun it movie. It just seems like an odd film, yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I haven't seen anything else. I haven't seen any other film that Tom Holland's been in. Yeah. 
Um, so I, you know, it's I'm hard to say. You know, you might just be perfectly matched for one role. Yeah. Um, I just can't think of anyone, Craig. Hey. I can't think. Yeah. So I've looked. One of the only ones I've got in my mind is Taron Edgerton. Um, and I just can't. Yeah, I'm go. Well, currently, I'm on a blank. Currently, see, I'm like blank. even like I think great young act. There are some great young actors. Yeah. So like, I think Miles Miles Teller's got a a good future ahead of him. Yeah, Miles Teller's got a great future ahead. Um, of him. but I don't know whether he's got enough charm in him. No, to pull no. off a role like to this. carry to carry a big budget. Film. Yeah, but I don't think. Yeah, I think the, and I think we've talked about this. We've touched on this before. Is We've gotten to a stage now where the actors don't run the film. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Um, where these people are not are not the draw cards anymore. Yep. It's actually the storyline yes. or whatever's built into it. That's the, that's the draw card now. So you need to actually sell a storyline before. Like, the the ones who can, yep. well, they're doing what they do now. They're de-aging them. Yeah, they are, aren't they? You know what I mean? Just watching The Irishman because he... Literally, Martin Scorsese can't find someone to play young. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Exactly, they can't find someone to play a young Robert De Niro in the old. You know, they need to actually just de-age the current one. Because we watched the other night, we watched The Trouble with the Curve. Have you yep. seen Trouble with the Curve? Yes, really good. Yeah, it is. It I is really enjoyed yeah. it. Um, and I was thinking in it, like Clint Eastwood really does just play Clint Eastwood. Exactly. Same with, like I said, just with Harris. Same with Harrison Ford. You know. But I don't know if there's someone that I go, wow, that's the next Clint Eastwood. No. Do you know what I mean? No. Or, um, you know, and again, like Justin Timberlake's really charming in that film. Yeah, Justin Timberlake can switch it on. Um, I think the only thing that holds him back is that he used to be in it. A boy band. You yeah. know what I mean? I think he. I think he's. I think he's a good actor. He is a good actor. He's, he's a, a really good actor. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be really interesting. People out there, hit us up. Yeah, there's someone forgetting. I'm tell us, damn sure. Tell I'm us who you some. think is a great up and coming superstar. We're putting the caveat out there. We want a superstar. Yeah, it's exactly. not just a good actor because yeah, there's plenty, plenty of those. Like actors. you think about, he's had a few sort of misses, but early on, Dane DeHaan was coming oh, across as a great I think little he's actor. An awesome little actor, man. Yeah, he's heaps good. Michael B. Jordan. Oh, see, I think Michael B. Jordan's got a superstar. Oh, he's got superstar That's a great talent call, in him, Craig. John Boyega. John Boyega, yes. You know, um, you know I guess Boy. I guess you could say um, Isaacs. You know, from if we Oscar Isaacs, Oscar Isaacs, but he's older. He's older. You know, he's older. He's he's worked his way through there. You but, know, again, like I think we've got to an age where Ryan Reynolds is starting to become one. Yeah, you know, oh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I'm just thinking about the next. Next like the generation beef was coming through. up. Oh, the beef. The beef was close, man. He was. I, I, I loved the beef, man. The I beef the was close. came out as well. Yeah, The beef was good. The beef was good. And I look, I think he still has a talent. He, I'd like to see some of his newer stuff. Yeah, same, same. So the beef is, um, I think the beef will be back. You think the beef will be back? Yeah. I heard a funny story once. Can I tell a beef story? Yeah. Oh, definitely, man. Beef stories are awesome um, stories. So I heard someone telling a story about how they were training at the same gym as him, <laughs> right? And he used to come in, and it was around the time where he did that awesome, like it's one of my favorite songs, actually, Elastic Heart by Sia. He's in that, tr- that yeah. clip. Um, they said at that time he was working out in a gym, um, and he would turn up in full double denim and military boots. And do chin-ups wearing it all. 
And then he'd just walk back out again. So he wouldn't come in gym gear or anything. He was just working out in whatever he was wearing that time. Do you know who I thought was really close, Craig? And then we'll we'll move on so we don't drag this out too much longer. But Logan Lerman I thought was really close. So did I, man. And there was rumours of him being Spider-Man as well. Yeah. He was close. They're rebooting the Percy Jackson series. Are they? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So they're thinking of a, of a TV series. They're good fun. They're heaps of fun, man. The, the the books are awesome. Are they? Yeah, and I've actually saw. I'm so far behind. There's actually a whole another list called the um, like within that Percy Jackson world. Oh, yeah, yeah that's they, cool. Yeah, I know, man. I'm heaps. Actually, fun. I bought one. Did you? In yeah, the series. Trials of Apollo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I just saw him I in the thing one, the other day. I was like, man, I've got to, I've got to get back into this because I enjoyed all the Percy Jackson ones. Man, I've got them at home. They're brilliant. I yes. love them. Yes. Now Ben Barnes, he was close, man. Ben Barnes was close. Yeah, Prince Caspian and all those at the yeah. time, and he had the beautiful look for it as well. Stardust. Dorian. Charlie Cox. Charlie was Cox. Charlie Cox is still awesome, but yeah, yeah he's not. Carrie, oh, send them our man. way, guys. We really want to hear. It. I, I really think. I wonder if um, the Marvel films, those superhero films and franchises, have sort of like just put a stop to that for a little bit. It 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 does. It's it's just hard for someone to carry a film these days. Yeah, it's so hard for someone to carry. But a film. that's because the the reason I say that we live in the franchise age, right? Yeah. So say a James Bond film. Yep. Makes Daniel Craig a megastar. Yep. But he's still James Bond a lot of the times. Yeah, pretty much. You Let's know? be honest. That's, and, that's a shadow he'll live under and for the And we look at life. Chris Hemsworth. Yep. He goes off and make other movies. And they don't. And they don't do as well as, no. say, his Marvel as, films. As his Thor films, yeah. Now, I th- I'm just positing the theory that in those franchises, the character is the thing selling them, not the actor. No, exactly. These days. So, therefore, in other films, we're not excited to see the next Kevin Costner film. No. We're excited to see the next Men in Black film. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, your brand names, your logos, basically, um, yeah. Whereas I remember being like, Kevin Costner's going to be Robin Hood. Yeah. Kevin Costner's going to be in wow, Real this is awesome. This is going to be out here. And this is gonna, and this actor's coming out with this one. And now, now, pretty much, it's almost like, oh, yeah, but like, Scorsese's coming a new one. Yeah, that's you know exactly I mean? right. And but Tarantino's lot, new film. Yeah, Tarantino's new film. And isn't it crazy that Tarantino's new film is a bigger draw card than a Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio film. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> There's, uh, you know, Margot Robbie's a brilliant one there. Yeah. Uh, you know, who's pushing through. But out of the dudes, no. Yeah, I just... I think out of the girls, there's, yeah, there's plenty that can come through. Oh, I, I feel if they're not about um, franchises, mm. it's women driving films. I think I think there's more chance of a woman carrying a, um, carrying a film yeah. Like you've got, obviously, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. I think she carried The Hunger Games. She did. Like The Hunger Games is great. It's, you know, it's generally the same story three times. Yeah. You know what I mean? But <laughs> she carries it beautifully. She carries a film, you know, because yeah. she's such a damn good actress yeah. as well. So true. Um, I know. It's funny, isn't it? But the guys, I can't find any out there. No. They're going dime a dozen, hey. 100% Craig 100% I would love to I'd love to hear it Throw it our way We love it Yeah it's We love it Get the conversation happening Yeah get rocking Tell me Tell me who's the new Up and comer Superstar Remember That's a caveat to it Superstar We know there's plenty of Damn good actors out there There yep. is man You know I remember Charlie Hunnam I was like man He's a damn good actor He could be huge But yeah Superstardom hasn't hit him yet Not yet 
Maybe after this Guy Ritchie film. Oh, Gentleman's looks awesome. Yeah. Looks awesome. So good. Fuck. Craig, so let's talk for a minute. I'd love to touch on the epic battle scene between Galinda mm-hmm. and Evanora. Evanora. At the end. Yeah. They're, they're very Harry Potter-esque. Mm. Fighting within. Actually, we've talked previously on the podcast about early Raimi films. Yeah. Possibly influencing the Lord of the Rings films. Yeah. And I felt this was very akin to a colourful version of that fight in... Is it in Fellowship of the Ring where Gandalf has that fight against... Two Towers? Is it Two Towers? It is Two Towers. Saruman. Against Saruman. Saruman. And it it just reminded me of that in a way, the way that they were fighting. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. But But it was so well made. Without harrowing the point... Yeah. It almost seems like halfway through the film, Raimi realizes Oh 100%. That Franco can't carry it. Yep. And I wonder if if they've gone, man, let's start putting the spotlight on everyone around it. We gotta make this about the girls. Yeah. Exactly. Which is, like you said, man, that that scene was brilliant. And I was the anti scene with Oh yeah, she's amazing. Like the fight scene at the end. You're right. Once we get to that point where uh, through the the glass ball. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's got a name. I can't think of what they call those. It's a bubble. Crystal ball. Crystal ball. Oh, crystal uh, ball. Through the crystal ball. Because they're witches, Craig. Oh. Um, the other thing that was weird, do you know what they weren't allowed to put on the Wicked Witch of the West? What? They weren't allowed to give her a wart. Oh, really? Yeah, that's like that was sort of copyright infringement if they oh. gave her a wart. You know what else is weird? I'd still do it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was going one of those emerald necklaces. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or a pearl one. But oh. a oh. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> goodness me. Oh, man. I still have gone, yeah, man. Yeah. She, she used to be good. <laughs> she used to be good. I could just carry around photos, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's what she used to look like. <laughs> still got that body, too. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> A little green around the gills. A little bit of green to keep you keen. <laughs> <laughs> I have you no idea what that terrible. means. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. <laughs> That's so it's terrible, just, Craig. Just me playing words. Um, just riffing. I'm just riffing. Uh, Come on, we're I riffing. I like it, Craig. We're having fun. We're having fun. Um, let's talk Raimi-isms within the film. Yeah, awesome. Let's let's really just take a look. Because there are some really great Raimi moments in this film. It's... um. And I loved that at one point Kathy Lee turned to me and said, oh, it just feels like the same guy that made the Spider-Man films made this, didn't it? Yeah. And I was like, ah. The table scratch. Oh, the table scratch. When Theodora's turning into the Wicked Witch. Yep. Very much like he does in Spider-Man where he grabs the blanket off the bed and the hand coming over. Yep. And the girl is getting pulled away by Dr. Octopus in that scene. Yeah. So And the shadow. Like that whole transformation sequence is brilliant. Oh, it's a shadow where you actually see it and just. <laughs> he uses a couple times, he uses silhouettes really effectively. Brilliantly, yeah. Um, the kiss at the end between Oz and Galinda. Yep. Um, oh, I do love that moment. I, I really enjoy the black and white moment at the start of the film. Yeah. Um, I think it's just. It's I think it's done. Like I said, the film's done great, except for the. Yeah. So what's, what's your little awe? Tell I don't know. No, no, the film's directed great. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I said, I think it's a good film. It's just, oh, there are some scenes like when he first lands, you know, that 
seem a bit chunky. Yeah. But the film as a whole, I enjoyed it. He directs it well, doesn't he? Lynchpin was just wrong. Yes. It's so sad. Um, I love the the montage moments. They're very, you know, they're sort of doing, um, they're making, they've got the tinkers all building stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, stuff. I love those montages. And there's like the cutout, you know, the almost comic book style cutouts yep. where you've got another image going on the right as That's on the Franco's left. That's Franco's best scenes. It's, well, they are. <laughs> they, they are. visually he's a, just a leading man. Yeah, but... There's so much Raimi in those moments. They're just I was there's a couple of times I was taken straight back to Army of Darkness in this oh, film. Oh yeah, hell yes, hell yes. And it's just like you go, oh, there he is. I see ya. I see you, Sam. Oh. Um, and again, we talked about those vines with the eyeballs that sort of come out very that dark. Was an ox awesome style. sequence, man. And you're just like the total dark, and you see the eyes light up. Yeah. Wow, that looks freaky as hell. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Remind me in that moment where the eyes were. It reminded me of um, the labyrinth. Oh man, I haven't seen it in ages. There's the watch scene with the. Um, I love the labyrinth. The so scene with the the guys that can take their heads off. Yeah, and they sort of dance around, and she kicks their bodies away, oh, and yes, they sing yes, a song. Yes, yes, yes. It just reminded me of that little moment. So there was that Jennifer almost. Conley. Jennifer Connelly, she's an amazing actress. Yeah, man. Um, so I loved that little moment. It was so dark and Raimi-esque. Yep. Um, I loved the way that the the monkeys were baboons. The this once again beautiful sound design. Oh, isn't in it? That ever cave great. Where they're originally in that cave. Yes. And, and he teases that you yep. don't see the monkeys yet. They're so but guttural. You hear it. Yeah. yeah. Which oh. monkeys, man? Baboons sound like that, eh? Yeah. Oh, just going to the zoo, it scares the crap out of you walking yep. past their enclosure. It's so good. Like the yeah, the changing him to a baboon is a great Oh man, great. Decision. There's a scene in it where literally me and um Carter and Brooke just jumped. Yep. Just jumped because a baboon just jumped straight out of something. Came was, at your face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a 3D film, eh? Yes. Yeah, there yeah, are moments that are very much pandering to yeah. 3D, aren't they? Yeah. This is around that time. Post-Avatar, people were just like, how do we get some dollars? And that's what another thing it seems like a big influence over it. Yeah. There was a moment where when Franco's in the hot air balloon and a rope sort of is dangled down and yep. you're like watching it flap. Or when he's in the hot air balloon and those things are coming through. Yes. From the side, yeah. And I love the moments that it, that that's a really interesting scene. So the moment where the hot air balloon's stuck inside the tornado yeah. and things are hitting into it, there are moments that feel like Raimi moments. Yeah. And then there's moments that feel like studio moments. Yeah. And then one of the odd things that I was Sort of disappointed for that. And this is such a little tiny, tiny bit. But was the transition to colour? You didn't enjoy it. No, I oh know, no. It just seemed, it seemed, I don't know. It just seemed sort of clunky to me where, and then, yeah, didn't enjoy But obviously the scenes after we, everything's in colour is amazing, you know. And he oh, starts going no. down the waterfalls and you start seeing all See, those. See, I love that transition because, um, as you know, The Aviator is one of my yeah. favourite films. Um and what I love in The Aviator is the Martin Scorsese. And look, let's just say we're talking about a master here with Martin Scorsese. Yes. Um, and he's like a vintage one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in that film, whatever time period it's in, it's coloured to what was the norm of that day and age. So when you watch that go from black and white to colour, yeah, it actually is like watching cinema change 
Awesome. I'll have to, to me, watch it again. Yeah. It's like watching cinema coloring change. So it has that really painted on green look. Okay. And then, it, and then it progresses into like the vibrant colors that we were copying at this time. Yeah. You know, within fantasy films. Because it just was, seemed, yeah, it just seemed 3D parlor trick to me. Yeah. Okay. That's very interesting because I, I actually had to pause it and rewind it again to watch it again. Oh, did I liked you? It awesome. So much. That's awesome. But I'm a real fan of shifting aspect ratios in a film. Yeah. Um, if you've ever seen you've seen Life of Pi. Yeah. Ang Lee's Life of Pi is just a glorious film and he plays with um he some moments are four by three, some are widescreen, and he plays with that with throughout the film. I just love it. It's Ang Lee. He's one of the most beautiful visual directors ever lived. And you know he's a ever man lived. he's a man that just um he knows aspect ratios and cameras inside out mm. to really get there. Like, it's so technically He's wonderful. also the most versatile director I've ever lived. He is incredibly versatile. I know, man. He's never stuck to one genre ever. Crazy, Ever. Yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah, so when I think Raimi moments, like, you're right, the second half of the film, mm. probably the second two-thirds yeah. of the film is a Raimi film. Yeah, from Glinda onwards, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's almost like... So can they go, obviously, to the Raimi um, Cemetery? Yes. Oh, man, so Army of Darkness. Yeah, it is, isn't, isn't it? it? Isn't it? It's so good. But it's almost like it made me think of Spider-Man 3. Like, looking back to his filmography yeah. and his journey as a director, the moments where characters didn't work were the one moments in films and characters that Raimi didn't quite believe in. Yeah. Yeah. So you think about that and it makes me wonder if what drew Raimi to the film. Yeah, it makes was, me wonder. Was actually the fact that um he had a love for those witches and their story arc. Yeah, exactly. And Oz himself is actually just a back character. Yeah, well that's what it and that's what it's sort of like it it seemed like that Oz was the MacGuffin. Yes. Um, but it's a story about three sisters. Yes. Um, which obviously could have been played out heaps better. Yeah. If it was, you know what I mean? Like you could yep. have found out more about why, you know, the father was poisoned. Yeah. Because obviously Glinda loved her father. Yes. You know, because she makes that dramatic, you know, that dramatic lines in the final battle in there where she goes, you know, you took the, you know, the one person that I loved, you know Yes, I mean? yes. Um, and so, yeah. Do you think? Do you think maybe we were talking about this was a time possibly when studios were pushing Franco to be the next big thing? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So let's say there's there's um, information out there. It's not rumor. It's just information that this is what happens. Yeah. Is when Will Smith comes onto a project. Yep. He has a team of people that come on board and say we want the film to be changed here, 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 and here because it's going to make it. Feel more like a Will Smith film. Yeah, exactly. Well, you got to play it's, his strength. He's he's Will Smith in himself is a logo. Yeah, and prime example of this is Suicide Squad. The yep. character of Deathstroke was actually a minor part yep. in the film. Gets rewritten to become about Will Smith's character. Yep. In order to do that, now I'm not saying James Franco has the power to come in and change a film. No. But if a studio is pushing Franco to be the next big thing, and we're talking about it's not uncommon for studios to sign deals with actors. We're going to make the next three films with you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know? And so in this sense, I wonder if it was a film all along about the three sisters 
and then you get Franco in the mix and we need a bit more Oz. Yeah, see, that's what's odd. And once again... Do you know what I mean? And yeah. then again, Raimi's playing ball because he's learned if you don't play ball, your movie gets ruined. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he's like, well, I've worked with James before. Yeah, you know? I, know, I um, know. And so all I'm saying in this, Craig, is do you reckon that Raimi is just playing a bit more ball with the studio to allow Franco, the actor, to get more time and the character of Oz be more of a thing. Because, again, the film was called Brick. Yeah. Look, I think I think it's true. I think um, studios at the time, you'd be silly not to think you've got a good project yeah. with Franco leading it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there was a lot of times where he, he looked, he was a bank, he was a, an investment at the time. Yes. And he seemed like a good frigging investment. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, no, seriously, Franco's about to break out. This is the film that can break him out. Yeah. And we can get him at before superstar prices, a superstar at before superstar prices. Yes, you know that's what I mean? true. And um, it's just, yeah, he just couldn't carry the weight. Couldn't carry the weight of it because it just, yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, they, they would have tailored the script to him. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's tailored completely. Because I don't think I don't so I don't think he had so much say in it because he a lot of his dialogue comes across as clunky, yeah. Because, and there's a strength to um, Franco that can come across in the right scenes, yeah. You know what I mean uh, with the right dialogue, and so I think those um, there's a playfulness that he can come across as, yeah. You know that broish it is a bit yeah, broish it is isn't but it? But there's a playfulness that he can actually come across and bring across on screen. So I think if they were, they would have played it more him and the monkey. Yeah. If they were actually playing on his strength, they would have been more bros. Yeah. Uh, because instead of him treating Zach Braff like shit, you know he what I mean? He does, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He treats him like shit. Just an he a-hole to him. But if they played him, if they played, imagine them playing like almost like a Shrek and Donkey. Yes. You know what I mean? You would have seen more of that broish charisma that um, Franco is known to have. In yes. Can I give you a little taste? Just say, I'm going to cement that theory that he's an up-and-comer and the studio wants to throw him in there. Get, get. So, post, let's say post Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Spider-Man 3, I'm just naming a few that would make you go, as a studio, we got a good actor. Yeah, man. Pineapple Express is the next year. Yep, which was a sleeper hit. He was in Milk. Which oh, was yeah, an that's indie right. hit. Yeah, which showed obviously great acting skills and got heaps of promotion. Yep. He's in Eat, Pray, Love. Well, yes, that's right. He's got an Oscar nomination for 127 Hours. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Rise of the Planet of Apes, of the Apes is released. Wow. Okay. And then he does a few little indies here and there with Spring Breakers, which he got a bit of buzz for that as yeah, well. Yeah, he did. And then you've got Oz the Great and Powerful. So as I, a studio, I would have, I would have banked on him as well. Yeah, I would have. That's a lot of good money film, on the isn't table. it? So I once again, I haven't seen the Planet of the Apes series. I love it. Um, he's good in it. Is he good in yeah, it? Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he cares. You still he's, doubt yeah, whether he's, he's, not he's the, he's not the carrying character. It does is he? Oh, it's, 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 it's Andy Circus. It's Andy Circus Okay, cool. He's the guy that's just, he's an intelligent man. At times, he's a driven scientist. And you get that? Because there's a little bit of arrogance in a driven scientist. Yeah, of course, yeah. There's actually, he 
plays the um, role of a son who's trying to cure his dad's Alzheimer's really well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'm I not th- doubting his acting. No, there's a... Never. Listen, I'm not doubting his talk about talent. films that he's great in. He's great in. Yeah. I personally, like, I personally don't... I won't go out of my way to see a James Franco film. Yeah. But I don't doubt his talent. Yes. Um, so good. Crap. You know what I mean? But he just... He was just... Look, even if you don't want to bring it down um, to just my a dislike of Franco, he's a wrong fit for this film. Yeah, and I think when it all boils down to it, there's just nothing that endears you to him. No, no, exactly. And with a script and dialogue like this, yeah, you know how you said obviously, you know, it might have been. It feels like it was written for Downey Jr. or Johnny Depp or Johnny Depp. And I actually feel at the opening, yeah, that um, when he first arrives in Oz. Mm. I feel like Franco's playing Johnny Depp. Yep. And then in the black and white sequences, that's June Downey. Jr. Yeah. That's RDJ. Yeah, because RDJ passed that along yeah. so well. And you'd be like, ha, look at him. He's giving out music boxes. I love that dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Totally. You know? Yeah. And he'd even come across, yeah, monkey boy. Hey, you're my monkey. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And he'd say it in that beautiful way where you go, yes. he's a monkey. Craig, but he, when, totally. when Franco says it, you're like, you're an asshole. You just yeah. called him a fucking monkey, Can't call man. call him a monkey? Yeah, dude. I do love the moment where um, he's like, uh, be quiet, I'll get you a banana. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> oh, it's look, like, I like you, that monkey, the actual monkey. You don't you don't like bananas? He's like, of course I like bananas. I'm a monkey. <laughs> I just don't like when you say it. <laughs> it's like, I love rice, man, but I don't need you to tell me I don't love rice. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you a little bit. I funny. love boobies. <laughs> <laughs> you sure do. My son will be up there, I guess. Dad. Because oh, we're talking about um, Old Town Road, the song Old Town Road. Yes. Right? And, you know, there's a there's a line and it goes, Buradin and boobies. Yes. And, um, and, I, and I keep singing it to him as a joke. He goes, why do you love boobs so much? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, She's oh, like, I only like your mum's boobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come talk to me in 10 years. So. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you get to it <laughs> so funny i will tease it out there's a little very cute moment of craig singing old town road with his son oh, we might pop it in next week's farewell right. episode that's for right. everyone to hear i was actually gonna on air board maybe yeah i was gonna put uh, a little roving reporter hear carter's thoughts on the spider-man trilogy awesome. next next week yeah throw it in cool. Cody, just for That'd fun. Be good love fun. It. He, love it. he's awesome on it so we'll do a little when we recap spider-man we'll cross to carter to give us his thoughts on uh <laughs> on it and we'll go from there. Craig, look, I'm going to be honest. Um, I don't have a lot to say about this film because I guess when I think about this in Raimi's filmography, it's just a meh. Meh. To yeah, me. You know what I mean? And I feel terrible saying that because there's so much good Raimi in there. And I hate that it's meh because it's, I hate, and this is what I hate ending the season like this. Yeah. Each other movie at least had a like a, a, a fair ending to it. This is a meh ending, you know. Just like the Snyder was not a fair ending. No, no, but Snyder, that's 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 a dramatic ending, whether yeah, it was good true. or bad. Um, true, you know, the same with Zemeckis. You know, Welcome to Marwan. Yeah, it wasn't meh. It definitely wasn't meh. I nah. enjoyed Welcome to Marwan. Yeah, me too. But to see this and having enjoyed the season so much, yeah. you know what I mean? And they go. Yeah. yeah, but the thing also, uh, I, look, the thing I want to really get across though is the second half of this film is it's, good. It's so watchable, isn't it's it? It's good. Yeah. You, you want to, you're, 
you want to be in this um, world. Like you're actually, yeah. you're invested in this world a little yeah. bit more. And I guess um, that's, it's more physical as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Digital. Hey, yeah, it is. Because I guess you're coming into cities. Yes. Aren't you? And you see, yes. and it's a lot more physical sets. Yeah. You know, instead of just, you know, they're walking very clunkily on a green screen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like The bit where they're running. Yeah. See, and that's what's weird. I think they didn't combine. Bind physical and like you know how Snyder does it. Yeah. Snyder has half the stairs built and then yep. the rest is yeah great. I think that could have been done here a lot yes. more. Yes, but they've just really it looks like they're just standing. Well, you know, like in in a green screen. Yeah, everything's on a green because they don't have that um, motion in a, a yes. real practical motion to the way they walk and move. Yeah, and you're just like, yeah, this is, looks weird. This it, looks, it's, it's, it's like a like a movie world ride. Yeah, it well, it's like I think what we're gonna look back on. Um, there's two things I want to talk. About. First, let's just talk about the effects. I think when we look back on it, we'll realize this was one of those films that were pushing the boundaries of what they were doing at that time. Yep, and just hadn't nailed the crossover between physical and digital. Yep. Um, so, you know, again, there's that awesome clip of um, Avengers Infinity War. You know the scene where they're all running at the camera? Yeah. Um, have you seen them? how they shot that? No. So essentially all of them are in a room that's green on treadmills that are green. So they're running flat out on treadmills and it looks naturally like they're running. Yeah. Even though... There's no like, there's no bush at all. That's I guess all it has green to be screen. A, a film that everyone learns from. Hey, yeah, that's exactly right. And yeah. what I'm saying is, this is one of those films around this t- this time mm. where they're trying things and they're realizing it just looks clunky if someone's running on the spot pretending to run. <laughs> I know, you know, I know. Um, and it looks horrible. Yeah. Um, I also want to just talk quickly, Craig. Something about the Zemeckis season I loved. There were very distinct seasons. Yeah. So you could realise that we were coming to the end of a specific season. Yeah, like, like in art, you know, you have the... Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, and so you'd go, all right, cool. We understand he's done a massive hit. Yep. He's probably going to do something following that, you know, back up, back to the future with Death Becomes Her. Yeah. That's a little bit sort of indie and arty and off kilter. And, you know, you'd you'd go back up and have a little season and you knew you were going to get a little sort of... Yeah. little bloop, bloop, you know, um, which do, they weren't terrible films, but they just were just different. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I feel like if we think about Sam Raimi's little story arc, if only we had one or two more films to watch, I think... Oz would make a lot of sense because it's almost like he's learning a few things along the way to make something great again. I think, and I think, and I I agree wholeheartedly, and this is very similar to Snyder. Yeah. I think we may have jumped on at the wrong time. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, especially with Snyder, I think in two films' time, He's gonna like I said. It's not, oh, look, Snyder has greatness in him. I've, yeah, I've 100%. always always said it. Yeah. Um, but I think we're just we're in his period. Yes. Um, and where he's either gonna disappear after yeah. a, you know Army of the Dead, or he's gonna come out and like you and I say, come out with just 
boom, and yeah. then boom, another yeah. film, and boom. If he just forgets that whole release this night, he's still posting shit about release this night. Okay? Just yesterday. I know, exactly. Just yesterday, you know, about Martian Manhound. He posted that someone put up a sign that says release the Snyder Cut and said, thank you guys. Man, fuck. Everyone, please let it go. Let him make yeah. sure. Um, and but it's the same with Raimi, you know what I mean? Like yep. I need to see Raimi back it because I think Raimi lost a lot of confidence after three. Yeah, same. And I still think he's struggling here. Well, he's in back first... in the studio game, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. And I think the first half of the movie shows a little bit of struggle. Yep. Um, even though obviously I doubt it was film linear. Yep. But the second but even in the editing room and the effects and you could tell he was a lot more confident after, you know, yeah. maybe he was just hesitant stepping back into a studio. Well, I think that opening section of the film yeah, is very much like I could be watching Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. You know, and you think about Disney at this time, they would be going, we've had a huge hit in Alice in Wonderland. Like it was a monster hit. That was a huge hit. Yeah, and so they'd be going... We've got a formula that really worked here. Yeah. We want you to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Someone's going to be pulled from a world. Yes. Brought into this fantastical world. They'll awaken into this weird thing that shocks them into it. Yeah. You know, it was seriously, it just looked like it. And again, it was so much better once we got into Raimi's version of the world, not the studio's version of the world. Yeah, exactly. Once it, yeah, once it got out of the, once it got into the cities. Yeah. Um, uh, it started to get a bit of gritted to it. Yeah, you know can we I mean? can we say great little cameo by Bruce Campbell? I Very love you, funny. Bruce. I love how they put extra chin on him. Yeah, that's awesome. Extra chin, extra nose. And did you see um, Bill Paxson's dad? Yes, I did. Work, Sitting in a wheelchair. Work. Yeah, little tinker, tinkerer. Yeah. Um. So just before we get into ranking, Craig, because I think we're getting sort of to the end. Yeah, of I what think you we're can getting say to the end of it. Yeah. Um. Let's just take a moment to really appreciate how gorgeous Danny Elfman's score is. Beautiful. Glad he came back. He Me too. That's what's so weird. That's what I hate about this movie, but love. There's so yep. many good things. You Though, know what I mean? I do not enjoy the little munchkin song. Oh, I, I can't remember it. So yeah, I obviously It just did. felt like something out of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Nah. You'll you never know? beat the Lollipop Guild. Yeah, and we are I, again it felt like a studio thing. You've got Danny Elfman? We want a song. Yeah. Oh, well, Danny Elfman plays. This should be Danny Elfman's masterpiece. Yeah. Because it almost plays, you know, like, like it, Oz, yeah. same with, say, Neverland, feels like if you had those worlds, they'd be playing Danny Elfman music all through. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, totally. You know, you'd step on a plane and go, didn't yeah, <laughs> and I did love the lily pad that and that moment where um, Oz is walking through for the first time, and the wind reeds sort of go over, and yeah. you hear that, and the lily pads sort of have a boom, boom, boom. You know, all those moments where you could just picture Danny Elfman's like, "Oh, Having this is so much fun." Yeah, I love this world. I love yeah, this world. Yeah, yeah, and so I really love that moment because you do get to have such Elfman. Yeah tastes in there don't you oh yeah exactly and even in obviously the dramatic sequences at the end yeah or anything, and the wicked witch as well yeah plays them beautifully yeah so good absolutely love it um all right craig it's that time of the episode yep it's time to rank this bad boy Man, and this is gonna be hard craig aside from our uh wild card that can be used next week mm -hmm. we've rounded out the season 
So, for those listening at home that may not have a clue where we're at right now, Craig Killian has currently got Spider-Man 2 at number one, The Gift at number two, Spider-Man, the original, at number three, Evil Dead 2 at four, A Simple Plan 5 for Love of the Game at six, Spider-Man 3 at seven, Army of Darkness at eight, The Evil Dead at nine, The Quick and the Dead at ten, at number 11 is Drag Me to Hell, at 12 is Darkman, and at 14 is Crime Wave. Man, seriously, this is probably my hardest choice of the season. It's a tough one, isn't because it? Because I enjoyed the second half so much, hey. Yep. There's so many elements of this film that I loved. Yeah. I loved, you know what I mean? It's just, you know what I mean? It's just Franco. So I'm going to I'm gonna have to, um, I'm going to have to push Darkman down. Darkman's down. So you're going to put um, no. Oz Great and Powerful at 12? Yes. Darkman at 13, Crime Wave at 14. Very interesting. Um, I'm in the same boat as you, Craig. I'm really unsure what to do with this. I've been racking my brain since we watched it last yeah, night. Yes, same. Um, for those playing at home, Spider-Man, the original, is at number one for me. Spider-Man 2 at number two. The Gift at three. Army of Darkness at four. Evil Dead 2 at five. A Simple Plan six. The Evil Dead at seven. Quick and the Dead at eight. Spider-Man 3 at nine. For Love of the Game, ten. Darkman, eleven. And Crime Wave. Oh, I've totally forgotten. Um, at number ten was Drag Me to, uh, Drag Me to Hell. Yes, it was. Um, for Love of the Games at 11, Darkman at 12, and Crime Wave at 13. Now, I'm actually going to do something a bit crazy. Oh, number one? No. Okay. No, I actually think this is a better film than Spider-Man 3. Um, See, that's plausible. So, and I'm actually going to say, I think there's so much Raimi in this film that I just love. I'm actually going to put it at number eight. And I'm going to drop the quick and the dead down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think what this is. Quick and the dead. Yeah, I know. And I love that movie. Uh, mm. But I think thinking in the story arc context, my nostalgia really is riding the quick and dead a lot here. I think by putting it at number eight, it's sort of midway. Yeah. And I think in reality, this is a real midway film for Raimi. Yeah. So what I've got there is The Evil Dead at 7. At number 8, Oz the Great and Powerful. Quick and the Dead at 9. Spider-Man 3 at 10. At 11 is Drag Me to Hell, followed by For Love of the Game, Dark Man, and Crime Wave. Crime Wave. Which is crazy because I've started to become quite fond of Crime Wave. But we're like that all the time. We are, Craig, aren't yeah. we? So, Craig, where can people find us? You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. FFTL podcast at FFTL podcast. Sorry, booby. For first last podcast, go on to um, Facebook or you can email us at info at FFTLpodcast.com or go to our website, www.fftlpodcast.com. <laughs> and we really want to hear it. Do you know what I w- I'd love to hear is if you've been listening, watching along with us, there's a few people that love to post photos of when they're watching a film yeah. in preparation for it. We absolutely adore that. Um, Tell us what you think your ranking's going to be. Yeah, exactly. Tell me how... Yeah, I'd love to see how people... Just... Look, you don't have to go through the whole thing, but rank your top three. Yeah, top three. Yeah, top three Raimi films. And you can't do Spider-Man trilogy. You can you just... You, Maybe want, you could. You can only use Maybe one Spider-Man. Oh, gosh. That stuff's both you Boom. and I. Can only use one Spider-Man. All right. Here's what we're going to throw. Because out. that means... 
Because I, 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 I don't, I don't want to get Marvel fans caught up in this. No. I want to see Raimi. I want you to Raimi see fans. it from a Raimi point Raimi of view. Raimi fans. Raimi point. Like you obviously can be both, as yes. you can be a Marvel and DC fan. But I want to. I want you to put your Raimi glasses on. Yes, your Raimi goggles. Yep. Get your Raimi goggles. Get your Raimi goggles on. I love it, Craig. So, <laughs> well, let's put something on Facebook. I think we should put something on our page this week. Yes, let's do it. Just um, getting people to tell us what their top three are. Yeah. I love it. Even if you want to give me, um, give us a, give us your top three. I'd love to hear on next week's episode. Let's get people to give us their Raimi yeah, film. I remember uh, the festival. actors, upcoming superstars, man. Cause oh I'm yeah, blank. Hey, but I know there is people out there. There's got to be. Do you know who I thought might be it? Aaron Taylor Johnson. You did, hey. I thought he was going to be big. He was close, man. Kick-ass, he was great in. He was great. He I was, thought he could he be was good. He was good. Quicksilver. He's you know supposedly what? making a comeback in WandaVision. Is he? I yeah, I heard that. Interesting. Randomly, yeah. Flashbacks. Yeah, flashbacks. Flashbacks. He needs a Spielberg film. Spielberg got him? Boom. Oh, yeah. Spielberg, good. That um, guy in that was good, too. What? I forgot that guy. That guy where? In Spielberg. Um, in Ready Spielberg. Player One. Oh, Ready Player One. Oh, yeah, he is good. Ty Sheridan? Ty Sheridan, that's it. Ty oh, Shazzy. Yeah, my brain is filled with or trivia. Or we call him Tashizzy. Tashizzy Manizzy. Tashizzy Manizzy. Um, and for those who, I don't know if we said it earlier, when we talk, obviously, Sheila, uh, the beef, we're actually talking about Sheila Boo. <laughs> <laughs> because it was just a random thing because we were talking about his last name once and we called, maybe it's Le Beef. Yeah, <laughs> that's how we called The Beef. beef. <laughs> uh, we've just let you in at a Jeff and Craig in <laughs> yeah. joke there. Yeah, you guys are in deep. I just realised that. I'm like, yeah. The beef, when we say the beef, we're talking about Sheila Booth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. I think we talk good five minutes. Yeah, the beef. Yeah, the beef. Yeah, I love the beef in this. Did you see the beef in that? <laughs> I do love the beef. People are I love like, the beef. Gotta so look much. up, see her looking for a piece of steak on the screen. <laughs> uh, so good. Hey, guys, we love you being along for the ride. So, um, next week, Craig, it's our wrap up. I can't wrap believe up. it. We've come to the end. We've got cue boys to boys to men because we have come to the end of the road. To the end of the road, boys to men. Yeah, you better oh, yeah, believe yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I had that on cassette. That's I thrashed right. the heck out of that. End of that's the right. Road. I reckon yeah. that's one of those songs that I believe I could get up without looking at the screen at karaoke and sing that song from start to finish. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, man. I reckon. I have too many shit songs like that. Have you? Yeah, yeah. My head's full of just lyrics, stupid lyrics. What's a song that you just always know the lyrics to that you're just like, why on earth do I know that? Oh, there's, there's seriously random shit, man. I, I, honestly, I could go anything from some mix lock to, to Taylor Swift. What about, do you know one that I always know the, I had it on a CD single, used to thrash it? What? Life is a Highway. I could sing <laughs> it every, um, I'll tell you a little funny story, Craig. Uh, this year, Crazy it happened this year. It feels like forever ago. But I got to play a country music festival, Yay! which was so much fun. Um, and previous guest, John Rourke. Check out his Whistling back. Dixie. Whistle Dixie. Whistle Dixie. They're doing Sorry, great. Guys. They're doing great. He I'm had sure a, they were whistling. They were whistling just all the way, all the way. But um, 
He was on our Back to the Future 3 episode. It's yes. a real fun one. You should check it out. Um, Johnny, come back. We, we really dissect the scene where uh, Doc Brown's son touches his penis a few times. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we did dissect that, yeah. Um, but John and I went out after playing some shows of an evening because the music goes till about 2 in the morning in Tamworth for the Country Music Festival. And there was a very inebriated young lady who kept coming up and asking us to dance. Um, she was out with some older people and I think just the fresh meat was a bit exciting. No, um, she wanted the beef. Well, she wasn't interested in mine, but anyways, that's oh, a whole... Oh, well, you know, it's um, Johnny. You know, so he Johnny. is he a country superstar. Country superstar. But anyways, she kept talking about the guy was doing a cover of Life is a Highway. Yeah. And she kept saying, you know when people don't understand the lyrics? Yeah. And they're singing the wrong lyrics. Yeah, like, I got a chicken to ride. That's exactly right, Craig. Uh, cheap wine and a three-legged goat. Um, <laughs> There's actually a good comedian out there who does that, he James. Oh, like, really? Yeah, 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 seriously, I can't remember his So name. good. But she kept coming up in the song going, I love this song. I love this song. It's so sexual. And I'm like, sexual? It's what? about driving through the night. Yeah, exactly. And then she's like, Life is a highway. I want to ride you all night long. <laughs> he just kept saying it over and over again. And we're like, oh, man, this is so creepy. Oh, so um, and like Louie Louie. Tell Have me you what. heard Louie Louie? No. no, it's a song. Look, watch Coop DeVille, the movie. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig. Um, so, guys, next week, yeah. we are wrapping things up. Wrapping. But, excitedly... <laughs> Craig, we get to announce who season four's director is. Yeah. So excited for Uwe that. Ube Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Bowl. Andy would be very excited oh, about yeah, that. He'd be heaps um, But guys, we really do. We appreciate you being along for the ride so much. Journeying through 14 films with us. Oh, we love so good. We've loved Sam Raimi. Yeah, I've loved Raimi, man. Raimi's was, he's, he's damn good. So next week, guys, tune in. Talk to us throughout the week. We want to hear from you. Yeah. Um, and from all of us here at From First to Last Podcast, I'm Jeff Reed. And I am Craig Killian. We'll catch you next week. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs>